the 2010s are drawing to a fast close, but what were my top 10 movies of the past decade? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. on the Fall Entertainment Movie Review Podcast and today in part one or maybe two depending on what order this goes up in of a two-part special me and Darren are going over our top 10 films of the decade the 2010s best movies in our eyes at the very least I'm always Mike and I'm always Darren so it's a really fucking hard thing to do <laughs> Unbelievably difficult to whittle this down. It's been uh, it's been difficult, uh, but I got my ten, and they yeah. are surprising to say the very least. Good. Um, shall we just jump straight into it? Because yes. I don't know whether this one's first or whether yours is first. Who knows, Michael? But let's. It's not a hard concept to grasp. No. So let's. Uh, yeah, let's dive straight into it. It's not waste. Sorry, I just realised I've just seen the little figurine of you dressed as Star Lord. I've yep. never seen it in real life. Wow. <laughs> does actually look a lot like you, Maggle, well, doesn't it? It should. It's 3D scanned and printed of me. I wonder if we'll hear anything more about Star-Lord in the next hour. That'll be interesting. I'll put my house on it. Oh, let's find out, shall we, Darren? Oh, right okay. then. Let's start off at number 10. As is uh, tradition. As is tradition. Uh, my number 10 film of the decade is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ah. I battled long and hard about what I was going to put here. Now, we do have a full review of this movie, so we're not going to talk too long on this. Um, but it came out last year in 2018. Yes, it did. And I, wa- I knew I wanted an animated movie on the list, and I wanted one that felt the most important. It was between this and your name from, I believe, 2015. Right. So an anime movie sadly has not made it on my top oh, ten. Oh, and Faison's wept. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, so, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse made it onto the list because it comes from a... It comes from Sony, who haven't done the best with Spider-Man. No. Uh, consistently have not done the best with Spider-Man since 2007. And it came out of nowhere. It had one of the most unique animation styles yep. we've ever seen. It had a brilliant voice cast. Mm-hmm. And it appeals it it was like a 16 quadrant movie it appealed to all kinds of marvel fan it was and it's not just us who are in the know that like this movie um we finally got sky cinema for the first um time in our house the other day Mm. the first movie we watched at my girlfriend's request not mine Mm. was spider-man into the spider-verse um, and she is not of the level that she would know who the hell Spider-Man Noir is. Hmm. So it's clearly touched a lot of people. Yeah, it certainly has. I was reading Twitter about the people, the effect of this people on on their families. Um, a lot of people, Miles is the hero in hmm. their family now. Like when they say, "I want to be like Spider-Man," they mean Miles yeah. Morales. That's fucking cool. That is. I really like what they did with the alternate universe Peter Parker. So they they explore a dark avenue that we've seen played out to far worse extents in the movies. So it's it's not quite the one that lost Gwen Stacy. I mean, yeah. although you did. And it explores 
a lot of adult issues considering it is very much a kid's film. Yeah. Uh, the cast is really nice and vibrant. I mean, Miles is up front, but you've got Spider-Gwen, Spider-Ham, Spider-Noir, SPDR, created by Gerard Way, which is really weird. Hey. Um, they're back, Michael! They're back! I forgot about that. I might have to go to a fucking MCR concert. I'm pissing myself. I don't want to do it. I might have to admit oh. to a room full of people that I enjoy fucking, what's it called? A famous last words. Ah, uh, ah, oh, man. Ah, oh, feels weird. I feel uh, dirty. They've been announced for Download Japan, but I didn't see the Japan bit under the download and got real fucking excited because <laughs> we booked our tickets to download the week before. Instead, we gained System of a Down. I mean, they're good. No, they're not. Yes, no, they are. They? That's not. That's a discussion for another day. Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah, it's fucking great. Uh, Chris Lord and Phil... No, Phil Lord... No! Phil... Lord, Lord and Miller. Miller. I forget their first names. I am a terrible... They're just Lord Lord and Miller Miller. Lord Lord and Miller Miller. <laughs> Named after Mario. Who knew? Yes. Um, do a really good job sort of steering the ship on the animated Spider-Man front. I'm glad that they're back for a sequel coming in 2022. They are. I'm glad it's far out enough that they got the time to make a fully crafted sequel. They're not shitting out the same thing with the same models. No, they're not. They're going to do something different and they're bringing Spider-Man 2099 on board. And Japanese Spider-Man. Yes. That's been announced as well. <laughs> and there's hot rumours that uh, we're going to get a Tom Holland cameo. Oh, yeah, boy. He's uh, not the Spider-Man I want, though. No, I know I what want, you want. I want Toby. If you think they won't go and get Toby, you come on now. They'll go and get Toby, they'll go and get Garfield, and they'll get Holland, yeah. and they'll have a scene, and it's going to be the fucking I want best. 90s cartoon Spider-Man as well. Oh, that'd be neat. Really new, really new. And game Spider-Man, maybe? Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be real good. I mean, there's going to be a tipping point where there's just, there's way too many Spider-Men. But <laughs> I don't think, I, I, I'm I'm willing to, to bet it's a while away yet. And I hope they keep who they've got, they cast as 2099 from the end of this movie, Oscar Isaacs. I'd have hoped so. Oh man, you got to keep that cast in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there we go. My number 10, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. My number nine, definitely not showing my colours here, uh, Logan. <laughs> Right, okay. Another superhero movie released in 2017. Mm -hmm. The last good film Fox ever made. Yeah, I think think that's fair to say. I'll give you that. The last good X-Men movie for certain. Yeah. Um, A surprisingly gripping and emotional film. Not a fun watch, but a Mm. fucking good film with a beautiful final scene. One that has not been topped by any of the other Fox X-Men movies possibly the best interpretation of Logan, probably the best yep. Hugh Jackman has done in that role. Yep. I mean, he always turns up and gives it his all, even in the shit ones. He does. But this one's something special, man. It is. I haven't put it on my list. I recognise how good it is, but I've never watched it again, mm. just because I can't... I'm never in the mood to want to watch no. that movie. So I just, I think that's why I had to kind of... I recognise it's brilliant. But I, I just I couldn't watch that again. No, fair enough. It's harrowing. It's a very harrowing movie. We've done a full review of it. We have. So you can go and listen to that. So, yeah. Logan uh, from 2017, my number nine movie. Number eight, Black Klansman. Really? From 2018. Huh. A movie that has surprisingly kept incredibly high regard in this household. Ah. And one that I really, really enjoyed. Um... It's John. Oh, what's his name? John uh, Washington. Dav- John, I know John Washington. But he's got a middle name. John David Washington. John. John David Washington, as your main character, uh, Ron Stallworth, who is an interesting character in, in the sense that he's quite. 
he's quite low tone. He's mercurial. He yeah. is introverted almost to an extent. Who has one of the most interesting stories of the last ten years, mm-hmm. uh, coupled with Adam Driver, who uh, puts in a great performance as Zimmerman. He does, uh, and delivers one of my most fa- probably my favourite scene. Outside of a superhero movie from from the previous the year, interrogation one, the interrogation mm-hmm. scene, fucking perfect. It proves that Adam Driver is definitely here to stay as yeah. sort of like the next generation of acting masterclasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had hit all the right notes in terms of comedy. It is a very very funny movie, whilst also sensitively dealing with racial issues and not never putting you in a kind of oh this is a you know. A one-sided debate. It's like these people are out here living normal lives. They're also racist pieces of shit. And it was interesting how they characterised people who sort of joined the clan, thinking that that was right. They don't. They apart from the ones that are actively out there committing crimes. There's like the ones that get swept up along with it, like the wife of the fat guy who gets put upon this task of delivering a letter bomb. Yeah. Like, you feel... You, you don't fucking like her, but you feel a sense of pity... Yeah. ...that I don't think has been breached in other films of that kind of no. racial discussion. I certainly didn't feel anything like that in 12 Years a Slave. I certainly didn't feel anything like that in Django Unchained. No. E- even though Django Unchained is a fucking phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. Had Inglorious Bastards been released in this decade, it would have been where this film is. Right, okay. Because I was going... Well, Glorious Bastards is on that list. That was released in 2009. Ah. So, unfortunately, can't make it. Yeah, the 2009 it. bug hit me in the house a few times as well. That was annoying. I don't think we properly reviewed this film, did we? Uh, no. It did was... you see this one? Uh, I did, yes. Because yeah. um, I've been listening back to a best of podcast from the last few years just to jog my memory. Um, it didn't make my top ten. I really liked it. But uh, for whatever reason, it didn't make my top ten. But no, I I, I um, can see that it's a very good movie. It is very good. Black Klansman from 2018 in my number eight spot. Number seven, Kick-Ass from 2010. I'm assuming well, this is on your list as Who well. Knows? Who can say? I mean, that's a yes. So we've not discussed, we've not reviewed, we don't have any permanent reviews for anything Pre-2014. No, we didn't. That is when Foul Entertainment began. Yes. We probably talked about it on the Off Topic podcast. I think we did. previous we thing. Did. I would imagine we did. But that is lost to time. It is. Unfortunately. Ah, well. So let's do a kick-ass, Darren. Yes! I fucking love this film. Me too. It, I it, mean, do I? Hmm, who knows? Hmm. <laughs> it is... It was math, one of... I think it's the first Matthew Vaughan movie I saw. It was the first one where I became aware of who he was as a director. Hmm. Let's put it that way. And... Yeah, it's you know what I'm gonna get to talk about it at some point. So, (laughs) right then. So, this was pretty much one of the first movies that I initiate like instantly had a connection with. They they've taken Mm -hmm. something by that point that was fairly well established of comic book adaptations. Yeah, and gave it a whole new lease. Mm -hmm. This is Deadpool before Deadpool. Yeah, It, it understood that it knew it was going to be a hard 18 movie yeah, and it goes to every extreme you could think mm-hmm. and it pulls it off so well. And this movie pretty much rolled off the back of its four main players of Aaron Taylor Johnson as Dave Lazowski, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz as Hit Girl, Nicolas Cage 
in what I think is probably his best performance mm-hmm. as Big Daddy and uh, Christopher Mintz Platts as Red Mist. You had two Nicolas Cage movies on your film. I on know. Your, on your list. Well Who knew? If Snake Eyes was released in the 2010, it wouldn't be on the fucking <laughs> list. I like that film a lot, though. Um, so... It is balls to the wall in terms of its action. It's incredibly gory. It's incredibly foul-mouthed. It's got characters who are just morally reprehensible. And yet, I fucking love it. Yeah. It has... It's got a perfect comic timing, especially when it concerns Hit Girl. Chloe Grace Moretz basically was born out of this film. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Um, and she might have been in films before this, but certainly not this high up in the billing. And mm-hmm. her first learn has first learn first line has the word cunts in it. It does. So that's always good. Um, this was, I guess, a kind of a turning point in terms of how I was viewing films at that time. So mm-hmm. 2010, we'd have still been in school. Uh, yeah, coming I was to the end of it. Nineteen. No, hang on, that's stupid. Um... <laughs> You're not that old, Darren. No, I. 2010? No, I turned 20 in 2011. So I would have been 19. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, God, so, we, we, so we were just. So you'd have been in your first year of uni? Uh, yeah, I would have been. Yeah, and I would have been in the last year of secondary school. Mm-hmm. Well, college Sixth age. Form. Sixth form. So, yeah, that's quite a pivotal point to have. Christ, that film's old now. Yeah. God, that's what's worrying me. Yeah. Like, I can vividly remember watching that movie in the cinema. Yeah. Like, ah, ah. Oh, man. Uh, that film has a great finale as well. It does. As there's something that we've yet to have this discussion. We've been threatening it, our listeners with it for six years now, but we've yet to have the discussion over the film sequel and how you think it's good and I think it's a crock of shit. No, it's not a crock of shit though, is it? <laughs> it's really good. It's very funny, and it's a, it's the next logical step in the story. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, the comic books haven't aged very well. I can't imagine they have. No, no, and um, neither has Mark Miller in general. No. But for what it is. This is one of the best adaptations of a comic book movie. Yep. <laughs> Kick-Ass at number seven. Number six, La La Land. We don't have a review of this uh, because Darren hates it uh, with a passion. I don't hate it with a passion. I'm just very like, eh, it's very rampantly fine. It's, that's about it. I understand. I understand. What it kind of represents to me, in much the same way that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from this year does, but, but what... Tarantino doesn't quite get right is the fantastical sense mm-hmm. of, of movie making and specifically of that kind of LA Hollywood bubble. Yeah. What this does is it was fucking joyful. 2017 off the back of 2016, which will go down as one of the worst years in yeah. human history. Mm-hmm. This was just, it's okay, guys. Everything's fine. Look, we're going to make a film. That's like the films you love from the past, the films you grew up with, all these old Hollywood musicals, whilst at the same time doing its own thing and kind of being a bit millennial about it all. Like, we're going to do the love story, but there's going to be new complications and different things going on. Oh, career aspirations rather than just fucking... Love for the sake of love. Love for the sake of love. Uh, Which, if we ever get round to reviewing yesterday before the end of the year, is something I'm going to be complaining about. Okay, Saw it the other night. Still fucked up Oh, that was on my plane film list. Uh, Is it not worth it? Enjoy. I would say... I'll say I watch hate it. the Beatles, so... Yeah. I was like, if this was literally about any other band, I would have seen it in cinemas, <laughs> yeah. but my God, do I hate the Beatles. Give it a shot, because it'll be a fun time to talk about it. Fun, okay. Um, but talking about La La Land a bit more, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, the fact that they're the main two you're with is what makes that movie work. Right. Top talents. Like, 
as, as soon as, like, I guess, what would you call the old guard? Clooney, De Niro? Yeah. yeah. When they're gone, that's who's left. Yeah. And You're right. they are fucking good. Emma Stone looks old as fuck now. Like, she looks old as fucking Double Tap. She Does she? Uh, have you watched Zombieland 1 recently? Admittedly not, no. Well, there you go. But Maybe that's what threw me off. I was like, oh, God! <laughs> I'm sure you'd kick her out of bed, Michael. <laughs> no. Mm. Uh, I mean, legally, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> me too, obviously, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a fucking divergent. I love the music of La La Land. It's something that doesn't carry through the movie as well as it probably could. Mm. And I and I accept that the first half an hour is the best half an hour of the film. Right. Whereas the middle bit is where it drops and the ending is great, but right. not brilliant. The opening, like, seven songs I had on repeat for fucking months. I right. could not get enough of mm-hmm. them. Um, the director of this is also the director of Whiplash, which was also a contender to be on the list. As that is a fucking yeah. phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. But I picked this for just the emotion that I get right. from watching it. It is a very joyful, happy movie, although it does have that kind of middle sag problem and right. has all the emotional issues going on. And the aesthetic is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The the light, especially in the final sequence where we go into more more of a studio Hollywood style yep. and where we really start to evoke the golden age of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It has just some beautiful fucking shots and great, Sort of, there's a one shot sequence at the start, which is on the freeway, yep. which is fucking phenomenal. Ah mm-hmm. oh, man, I love that film. I understand why people don't love it. I understand why people deride it as kind of just, you know, it it's aping something from years back, but not doing it as well as those films. Yep. It's overcomplicating something which should be simple. It's riding off the back of five good songs to last an entire album's mm-hmm. worth. I understand that. I get it. I don't agree with you. It's I love this film. That's fair enough. I've bought the fucking steel book, and that's how you know it's good. There's a steel book of La La Land. <laughs> yes, it's a lovely. It, it's the um, the poster art rather than the 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 art for the regular Blu-ray yeah, version yeah. is trash. Right. Uh, but the steel book is the poster art, and I love the poster art. I bet Amazon were like, no, someone's actually ordered the steel. <laughs> we have that. <laughs> Send the robot to go and fetch it because that doesn't. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> it is off, off you me. go. But from HMV of all places, who even knew they were going? So there we go. La La Land at number six. Mm. We're halfway through, Darren. Cool. What do you think so far? Uh, pretty good. Um, only one movie that's on that may or may not be on my list <laughs> has appeared so far, but um, no, good choices. Good is, choices. Is this a good time to tell you that I limited my choices on this? Okay, I've done something similar. Mm. So, how have you gone about it? So, I've only put one MCU movie in the list. Um, okay. I, I've specifically done, because I, I knew there was going to be multiple superhero movies, so I went one Sony, Spider-Verse, yeah. one uh, Fox, which is Logan, yeah. and one Marvel Studios. Yet to talk about it. It is not the next movie. It is higher up the list. Uh, let's talk about the next one. Number five, The Wolf of Wall Street. I know, weird Paul. Okay. Uh, released in 2014, one of the first... Now, we didn't do a full review of this at all. Uh, we didn't, know. We talked about it in the end of 2014 year podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you weren't a fan of the ending of that film. Yeah, that's that pulls my like um, focus a lot from that movie. I really like that movie. There's a lot we, in there that's very good. full-on falling out over what was the moral of that film. We did. That was a great we episode. Did. God, uh, that... 
that ending winds me up so much. It could it literally they changed one or two things about that and it's perfectly fine. But yeah. now, oh fucking hate that ending. That is the film that Leonardo DiCaprio should have won the Oscar for. It is not his pity for the Revenant. Yeah, well, the Revenant. Now, I've seen the Revenant. It comes nowhere near this top ten. Right. It is. It's pain in art for the sake of pain in art. Right. And. I know it's supposed to be an uncomfortable, claustrophobic movie in the wild. I just don't think it does that very well. I think The Wolf of Wall Street, with its themes of excess and lack of consequence and sort of a rampant style of living, does it so much better. At the centre of that is Leonardo DiCaprio giving the best performance of his career, in my opinion. Um, you've also got the your favourite fight scene of 2014. Oh, it was my favourite fight scene of 2014. It was wonderful. The, 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 the doped up fight the, with yeah. um, Jonah Hill. It's fantastic. So that's always so good. good. It introduced the world to Margot Robbie. It did. And I'm thankful for it. My niece has a name now because yeah, yeah. of Margot Robbie. Good uh, times. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. Um, yeah, so... It's a Scorsese film, and it's a very Scorsese, Scorsese yeah. film. It's f- complete with the the narrations from your main character. Uh-huh. It's got that sort of riddling with crime element to it. It's got thoroughly unlikable but also lovable characters, which I really appreciate. It's somehow sort of risen back to the populace. It's now being used in memes again. Oh, God, it's meme weird. central. Yeah. It's back. Who yeah. knew? After uh, Tom Holland used it to announce that he was coming, I'm not back. fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. Uh, it's still. I I listened back to the 2014 review and I found that old video, my sugar face of Wall Street again, where like the the bit where he's giving the big speech in the office yeah. as he says, "I'm not fucking leaving," yeah. and everyone's dancing around the tables. They put like death metal over it. Oh, it's a fucking. Oh, thing. I remember it now. <laughs> With the fucking chest pumping, it's so good. McConaughey was in that film. And you hate McConaughey. I hate McConaughey. <laughs> I think I've come round on McConaughey a little bit. The McConaughey-tons. I can't say properly. The McConaughey... I don't know. It doesn't you, matter. We, in a 2017 review, we said it both perfectly, but now we've lost the ability to talk properly. Ah, well. <laughs> That's the degradation this podcasting does to you. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street from 2014 uh, at my number five spot. Solid choice. Number four. John Wick. Yep, I knew that was coming. The okay. original John Wick. Yep. Uh, I like the sequels. I even consider going John Wick, and I consider all three of them the same film. But I landed on one. Yeah? I landed on one because it's a much tighter film than the first two. It's a much more focused film than the first two. Yes. And it doesn't spaff its lore away all in one go, like the the next two did, yeah. and make it far less interesting. Yeah. Um. It was ba- that was the start of the Reeve Naissance, I guess you could call it. Keanu Reeves was pretty much a, a joke before yeah. this film and before his sort of rebirth as this aged um, sort of comeback star. Yeah, and it really does wonders for him. This is this is easily Keanu Reeves' best movie, one hundred percent. I know people love the original Matrix, and don't get me wrong, I do too. Um, bitch, speed. <laughs> I forgot about speed. The bus that couldn't and slow down. <laughs> Bill and Ted, of course. Yeah, exactly. Which is coming back next God, year. Keanu's got so many good movies. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps somebody who can't basically act. Yeah, the, the guy job, just mate. turns up. He does. And whilst he's not exactly 
got much range emotionally, you actually do get quite a sense of him being able to tap into the pain yeah. he's actually had in his real life. Mm-hmm. Dude's not had it fucking good. No. Um, the way that he taps into it in this film is that it starts off on that note of sort of grievance when uh, John Wick loses his wife and then the breaking happens and the dog dies. Yeah. As my... Uh, fiance would say it's a bad movie if the dog dies i vehemently disagree yeah i hate watching the dog die but i'm not happy about it but yeah it means that john wick happens and then the john wick sequels happen which i'm all fucking about and the dog very much survives they make blatantly (laughs) obvious the dog's fine in this one yeah and then we get attacked dogs in the third one the dogs Uh, get revenge it's fine the dog escalation in this franchise (laughs) unreal um willem dafoe surprisingly turns in a really good performance as kind of like the rival hitman in this film. William Defoe. William Defoe was in it. I completely forgot William Defoe was in John yeah, Wick. Yeah, okay, he, he gets... He accepts the hit on John Wick ah. from the Russian guys. And that's still, ha- that's still one of my favourite scenes of this entire decade, which was I watched him kill a man with a pencil. Yeah. That scene of just setting up the inevitability of John Wick as a character as kind of just a force is what makes that film work so much. There is law and talkings of a past that we're never going to see mm-hmm. that we have to kind of imagine as to why John Wick is basically the bogeyman. It's yeah. so fucking Baba good. Baba Yaga. And the action completely delivers the whole gunfu style. We see Keanu Cook like take on a lot of different training in order to do this. The action is clean. Yeah. No fucking shaky cam nonsense. No. Very clean movements. Very wide frame so you can drink every last yeah. section in. It's brilliant. It might be, I think, the second most perfect action movie. After Die Hard? We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, I really, really love this film. It was a total shock to the system, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that the franchise is going. John Wick 4, presumably, in another two years? I would have thought so. It made a lot of money, the yeah. third one. Because so. you don't have to spend a lot of money on the film. No, you don't. It's just like, right, Keanu, go back into training, and then there you go. To license to print money. I hope this doesn't end up like the Death Wish franchise, though. It just goes on too long. Oh, fingers crossed. Um, I wish I was dead. Also, uh, Keanu Reeves is considerably older than Boris Johnson. Right. Think about that. By a country mile. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's old. What the fuck is that about? And his new girlfriend looks like Helen Mirren. She does. I thought it was Helen Mirren for a split second, but there we go. I mean, that would have been a power couple, if anything. Ooh. Ooh, the acting baby's out of that one. Ooh. Ooh. Anyway, John Wick from 2014 at number four. Number three. The MCU entrant. No, I'm. This is tricky for me. Yeah. Which one do you think? I think you know. Do you go? We all know that we get it, Michael. You like Gardens of the Galaxy. The one joke of this entire fucking show. But are you putting that above the Avengers movies? Is my question. What do you think? Have a guess. I think you love Guardians too much. To not put it on the list. My number three, mm. released in 2016, is Captain America Civil War. What? I... But Michael, you love the Guardians. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. When I was constructing the list, I wanted to include the movies that just floored me. Yeah. And the top five had to be those movies. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And whilst I adore Guardians to my very core, yeah. I'm talking about the best films released over the 2010s, Fair not enough. my favourite films of 2010s. Ah. Otherwise, this film, this list would have been from the top down, 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, um, Infinity War, Civil War, Endgame, Avengers 1, uh, and then probably Star Wars, uh, Force Awakens, and then probably my number one movie, which I'm not going to give away yeah, now, yeah. Kick-Ass and John Wick. Right. So... It would have been a much different list if that was the case. We've taken different tacks. We're assembling our top tens, <laughs> as you will hear shortly. So, Captain America Civil War. I still think the most competent, the most well-constructed, and the tightest of all the MCU movies. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of fucking plates to spin. It does. As many, if not slightly less, than uh, Infinity War. And whilst Infinity War is a fucking spectacle, don't get me wrong, yep. with an ending that echoed through pop culture, I think Civil War was the one where it's like... Much the same as the original Avengers movie, it was like, if this doesn't work, nothing else will. Mm-hmm. So if the original Avengers didn't work, we wouldn't have gotten the next two phases. No. If Civil War didn't work, no one would give a shit about what was happening in Infinity War no. and Endgame. You're right. It had to make Captain America a fucking badass. And your guy. Mm-hmm. If Winter Soldier didn't do it for you, Civil War did. Yep. It had to introduce Black Panther and Spider-Man in the same movie. And he did it fucking perfectly. Mm -hmm. It has still my favourite fight of the MCU. I know phone everyone from the end of Endgame is a sight to behold, but I enjoy how much personal stake there was with the airport fight. And the team-ups and the versus matches we finally get to Mm -hmm. see, it took the strongest characters... And really put a focus on yep. them. It was the first time we properly got to see what Spider-Man would look like with this set of yeah. characters. And it gave us the best version of Spider-Man. It did. Although none of his movies appear in my top ten. And if we were talking favourites, I think I've finally come down that Far From Home might be my favourite. Okay. Purely because it's Mysterio and it's fucking okay. great. Uh, but Tom Holland is easily the best Spider-Man. There is no fucking question. I know Toby, I know Toby. But I kind of agree with you. And the game Spider-Man's really good as well. It is. You're really low on Thor, of all people. Mm. But Tom Holland is Spider-Man. It's like, it's the same situation as Ryan Reynolds. It's like, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool, Tom Holland is Spider-Man. I don't want to see anyone else be Spider-Man right now. And Chris Evans is Captain America, or Steve Rogers specifically, because we will be getting Falcon of the Winter Soldier next year now. March. Thanks, Uh. dickheads. Um, We're going to wait six months for the Mandalorian. You do what you want because a pirate is free. <laughs> you are a pirate. Uh, Civil War. It had to have something that meant the fracturing of the storylines in Infinity War worked. Mm-hmm. A reason to get Tony Stark and um, Steve Rogers on opposite sides of the fucking playing yep. field. And it did that expertly it laid out very specifically why these two people have ended up enemies yeah it gave everyone a reason to be there at the airport fight at the end it gave us a really different villain it's one that we probably haven't seen since in zemo Mm -hmm. who's not an active i'm gonna fight against the heroes villain yeah even like some of the more celebrated and sort of calculating villains like Killmonger mm-hmm. still end up having a fist fight with your main character. Yeah. Zemo ain't getting involved in any of that shit. Ew. Zemo's like, you fight amongst yourselves. Yeah. And I think that's to the to the movie's strength because that's taking, like I said earlier, the strongest characters, not just in terms of pure raw strength, but the strongest characterizations. The problem that certainly in phase one and two was the weak villain problem in Marvel. They fixed it in phase three, mm-hmm. 
But at that point, it wasn't, excuse me, it wasn't entirely fixed. So what do you do? You create the division. You yeah. create the division, certainly in the fandom as well, and let those two things fight it out. Yeah. It's a smarter, tighter version of Mark Miller's Civil War comic books. Mm-hmm. It proved that it didn't need to ha- be like the universe-defining event they've made Civil War to be in the comics, mm-hmm. which was overstuffed and didn't really work in places when you really break it down, especially with the Spider-Man side flip. Yeah. That makes no fucking sense in the books. Um, yeah. Captain America Civil War from 2016. It's my number three Lovely. choice and my only representative from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, it's going to be the top two. This is where it gets nail-biting. This is the top two. I went back and forth on what these two were going to be and in what order. Even Ooh. as I tell you now, yeah. I'm surprised it's ended up this way. I think I'm... I think I've got one. I think you've got one. And I think it's the one I'm going to tell you about next. Go on. From 2015, my number two is Mad Max Fury Road. I forgot about Mad Max. Okay, I wasn't thinking of Mad Max. Okay, fair enough. Okay, we'll go. I know it's one big car chase. (laughs) It is. It's very very lenient on the car chase. (laughs) But it is a film that I came out of completely fucking awestruck. Yeah. And that's rare. Like, I come out excited from films or happy yeah, from films yeah. or, you know, totally depressed from yeah. some films or... We're not shell-shocked. Yeah. Or, you know... What the fuck was that? Fantastic Four, which is still the best movie-going oh, experience we've had in the last fantastic. decade. That was a great time of the cinema it for was. what was a shit film. It was. Uh, that might be the worst film this decade, thinking about it. Do you reckon Fan Four Stick? Oh, wait, no. We are, I have another discussion from the end of this year yet. Oh, my worst film of this year is definitely in that conversation. I mean, there's been some shite. <laughs> <laughs> but it probably is fantastic. I mean, 300 Rise of an Empire would be up for me, but yeah, again, but... that was just a Rocks! Covert! Covert. It's a dead ringer between those two, I think. Or Assassin's Creed. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> no, it's Assassin's Creed. I take that immediately back. Fucking hell. <laughs> so we're talking about good stuff yeah Michael. we're talking about Mad Max Fury Road the perfect action movie I'm sorry it is I know Die Hard exists it's the perfect Christmas movie <laughs> yeah. as we all know Mad Max Fury Road is the best it's ever been done purely based on its scale mm-hmm. purely based on how fucking big they went for that film they were like right we want the post apocalypse we're going to go to the arse end of Australia and we're just going to drive monster trucks around for a fucking year Sweet. Perfect. We're going to go all out on the costuming. We're going to introduce a new character that is basically the main character and Mad Max is your side character. Yeah. Big fucking ballsy move uh-huh. from the guy who directed Happy Feet. And Babe. And don't Babe. And Babe. That's the thing I have to keep reminding myself is that the guy who did some of... you know I don't like Happy Feet. I do like Babe. But... Mad Max 1 is really low rent. There's like four people in it. Yeah. Mad Max 2 was slightly bigger. Yeah. And then Thunderdome happened. Yeah. We don't talk about Thunderdome. And then the guy takes like 30 years off and does this? Mm. What the fuck? How this hasn't got a sequel already, I don't know. They were talking about it. They were talking about a sequel to this. They were talking about a Furiosa standalone. Uh How that hasn't happened, I don't know. No idea. But I I think George Miller's actually just cursed. Yeah, because <laughs> he was going to do a Justice League movie the at one point. Longest time, yeah, he, he was meant do to be it. doing that. They they filmed parts of that, which is weird. Did they? There is footage of that film. Oh right, 
I want to fucking see it. Who was in it? Army Hammer. He was Batman. I know, right? All right. And a bunch of other people. Uh, the Wonder Woman looked weird. I can't remember who it was, but she looked right, weird. Right, okay. Anyway, Mad Max. It's... So, Max is played by Tom Hardy, and he's... We've got a review of this movie. Yes, yes we, we do. I'm not going to give you the full basics, but Mad Max, uh, as Tom Hardy, is a worthy successor to the throne left by uh, racist Uncle Gibson. Yeah. Uh, Furiosa might be the best female character of the decade. I'm, uh-huh. I'm fairly confident that I feel that way. Strong, motivated, very, very clear path of where she's going. Leave her on a really fucking high note. She does most of the best scenes, has probably one of the most emotional moments where she finally meets the biker grannies. Yeah. That was fucking cool. Um, I forgot about the biker grannies. The bike, yeah, the biker grannies happen. The returning cast from the original, so he wasn't playing Immortal Joe in the original, but his name's Hugh something. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name entirely. But the guy who played a Morton Joe was great. I enjoyed that they had that kind of diverse casting in the people, in his worshippers as well. Yeah. So you've got uh, quite a lot of people with, with some severe disabilities actually putting in really convincing performances. Yeah. It's kind of like the upper echelon of what's left. Yeah. There was some great world building with Gastown and Morton Joe's control of the water yeah. supply and... The fucking the war chief who owns all the guns. I think it's yeah. called the Bullet Farmer. Yeah, that was fucking cool. The vehicles are fucking amazing. Oh, uh, what's the guitar guy called? The Duff Warrior. There we go. Oh man, that was that fucking design. The fact that they built that. The fact they were like, right, I need a semi truck and I need as many amps as you yes. can get your hands on because well, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a guitar player. I'm gonna strap him up in BDSM gear and hang him from this bit. What the fuck? I need to rewatch that movie. I haven't watched it yet. The design team for this are fucking geniuses. We also got a pretty good video game out of it as well. We did? Neat fucking. I forgot about that. Yeah. That was a really good game. Had a glitch that cost me a platinum trophy, which I weren't happy about, uh, but that's about yeah. it. I, th- I don't think that was just you. I think that was no, quite a few people. No, God, that fucking pissed me off. That was annoying. But yeah, uh, I stand by it. I stand by that that's the perfect action movie. I know that people will complain about its either lack or total absence of a plot other than let's go this way, no, let's go back the other way. Yeah. But it's that linearity that and its simplicity that allows it a further dedication to just be flat out the best action I've ever seen. When you look at the side-by-side production shots in yeah. the final movie and the only thing they added was more sand, Yeah. it's like, fuck. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a fucking it's a work of art. It's a fucking... Well done for putting that together because that could not have been easy. That must be the most difficult shoot anyone's ever been on. Got to have been right. Fucking hell, horrendous. It's middle of the fucking scorching hot desert, twatting around, yeah. strapped up in BDSM gear. Now, what the fuck is your number one? Oh, sorry. The score for Mad Max as well is also incredible uh, by Junkie XL. Yeah. Um, that is a that is a driving thing. I, I love I love having the music when I'm bobbing down the motorway. Uh, how I've not crashed is unreal. No. Number one, Darren. What do you think it might be? I know you love Dread. I don't think it's Dread. Fuck, I forgot about Dread. Oh, I'm having a crisis. 2012, oh. Dread was. I, mm, Dread, I like that movie. Um, I'm going to stick with what I've got. Okay. Let's consider Dread a number 11. Okay. Oh, fuck me. Dread's good. I forgot all it's about not Dread. It's an MCU film. No, it's not. There's no real superhero movies that have been 
There's one on my list that it might be, but I'd be very surprised if it is. You know what, Michael? Floor is yours. From 2010, mm. my number one film of the decade yeah. is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. <laughs> that was the one I was going That's the one thinking. you were thinking of, yeah. Go on, Michael. I hated this film the first time I saw it. <laughs> I really didn't like it. I thought it was incredibly disappointing. <laughs> I left that screening. I remember it vividly going, oh, they fucking wasted an opportunity there. Right. It is this the movie I have watched the most over the last ten years. Right, easily. Yeah, the most rewatchable, the most fun, the best video game film ever made. Yeah, it has a very clear and distinct style. It's from a director that I completely adore. It's got a cast that have gone on to do fantastic things, but are genuinely brilliant in this film. I don't know why I hated it, Darren, because it is easily yeah. the best film of the last ten years. Uh huh. Michael Sarah, obviously, because we've not reviewed this song because it's from 2010, Michael yeah. Sarah playing Scott Pilgrim himself, who turns in probably the best performance of his career. Oh, yeah, who the fuck else is he going to be? I he's mean, good in This Is The End, but that's he's like, good in this he's playing end. himself, it doesn't count. No, and, and I do like him in um, Arrested Development, but mm-hmm. it's a different kettle of fish. They took a comic book that's actually pretty good already yeah. and made it better, mm-hmm. which is rare for this kind of thing. Um Introduced the world to Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona Flowers, probably the the best of of the waifus. The Manic Pixie Dream Girls. <laughs> yeah, Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yep. It's perfect. The humour is just so spot on. And it's, yep. it's almost airplane levels of just gag a fucking minute. Yep. It knows exactly what it's doing at every single point in that film. Nothing feels left over. Nothing feels like it hasn't been totally realised. Mm. Every gag is seen from inception to completion brilliantly. Yep. It's so good. Edgar Wright has directed other films this decade. He did World's End and Baby Driver. Yeah. And he was supposed to be doing Ant-Man, but we never got to live no, in that reality. Didn't. Had Hot Fuzz been in this decade, I'm not sure it would have been a number one, but I think it would have jumped I was the exact same thing, over yeah. this. Yeah. But thinking about it no this is definitely Edgar Wright's best movie 100% it was his first big proper Hollywood one yeah which Hot Fuzz was big enough as it was but it was a very British movie yeah it was this proved that Edgar Wright could do the Hollywood movie Mm -hmm. and it and it failed it did not do well at the box office but he's been a cult hit ever since it's been it's definitely been a cult darling and it was already getting really positive press at comic cons and stuff like that so I'm glad that the movie had that life but to me, it's always been... It's kind of a testing ground for meeting people. Did you like Scott Pilgrim? No? You've not seen Scott Pilgrim then? No. Let's watch Scott Pilgrim. Another movie I own is a steelbook. Yeah. The supporting cast in this film are so fucking good. All of the evil exes are great. I mean, they, specifically yeah. Gideon and... Um, Chris Evans. Chris Evans as Lucas Lee and yeah. Brandon Routh as the fucking bassist from the, Clash of Demon yeah. Head. The music's so good in this film. Yeah. I'm surprised that how good it was. All the Sex by Bomb tracks are great. The Clash of Demon Head song is really yeah. good. They pulled in some really fucking good soundtrack as well, like proper indie hits. Yeah, so I'm just realizing how many people in this, like... Um, Brie Larson's in the Brie movie. Brie Larson's in this. Um, she plays Envy. She does. Um, oh, what's... Uh, what's her name? She was Anna in Kendrick's Trump. in it. Anna Kendrick. That's Scott's his, sister. His sister. Uh, Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Rec. Yep. is um, the coffee lady. She's Julie. There's so many Juan people. Juan Batiago for f- Pilgrim. <laughs> so many people in this that went on to do 
like bigger and better thing. It's and, kind and then of unbelievable. And then there's a few that didn't. Like the girl that played Roxy in this movie was really yeah. fucking good and just did nothing after no. the movie. The girl that played Kim, the mm. drummer in Sex Bomb, went on to be in Vice, and she was really fucking good yeah. in Vice. Knives Chow. Done nothing. No, nothing. Really like knives. Yeah. Really good um, character. I know Macaulay Culkin's brother's doing stuff now. He's mm. in something called Succession, which is meant to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, so he's finally getting back on that horse. Because um, he was great in that film as well. What? Everyone's great in that movie. Yeah. More on that later. More on that later. <laughs> so there we go. Um, I genuinely love this film. And it comes from such a, such a personal place in that... It defined what I would want to do if I was yeah. a filmmaker. Like I pointed that film and go, that's the kind of film, if I had the talent, I would be making. Yeah. And I think that's what it ultimately boils down to, is that that's my movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make my movie. My movie. <laughs> no, fair enough. That's... The best film of the decade, Scott Pilgrim versus yeah. The World. Yep. Yeah. There couldn't be any other choice. Mm. I'm surprised. I genuinely thought Mad Max was troubling it. Yeah. For a time, I was like, but Mad Max is the perfect action movie. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World might be the perfect fucking movie. Yeah. It's Empire levels in my top ten, 10 of all time. It's not obviously not where Empire is, but it's in the conversation of best films ever made for me. Right. Fair enough, Maggle. So there we go, my top ten films of the decade. Now you may be wondering why you're releasing this in November rather than yep. December and letting Rise of Skywalker have a chance of tickling that top ten. Simple reason, it won't. Um, and the other reason oh, is... JJ's back. JJ's back. Um, if Force Awakens can't make it on this list, I'm not pretty sure fucking... Yeah, think we'll you see. Um, we, I'm going on holiday for two weeks yep. and we need filler. Uh, <laughs> and we have got a glut of content that's going to take up our weekly podcast through to the end of the year. We've got Pokemon Sword and Shield coming up. We've got a Jedi Fallen Order on top of um, Rise of Skywalker. Um, a lot of other things are going to be coming up at the end of the year. Big video game releases, big film releases. And then we've got all our top ten ones. So it felt like the right time, and it was convenient as well, <laughs> that we could, uh, yeah, cover these things. So if we're it's, not done. We're not done. If it's not already out, because I'm not sure what order this is going up in, yeah. Darren will also have his top ten either out now or out next week uh, of his top ten movies of the 2010s. Uh, and we have also just recorded a podcast about leaks from Pokemon Sword and Shield. By the time this is out, that will be totally irrelevant because the game will be in stores you can go and play it yep. uh, please do let us know what team you're picking because that would be really cool to find mm-hmm. out from you uh, but yes do go and listen to our Gotta Cast Mall episode and please do stay tuned or go back and listen to Darren's top 10 in Popscorn and that just about that's just about it you can go and follow me on Twitter at at that Mike Cohen on also on Instagram under the same name you can go and follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram at at the Gutteridge you can go and follow the site on Facebook Twitter and Instagram under Fowley&T, that's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. You can also go and find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud under Foul Entertainment or Foul Entertainment Podcasts, depending on which service you are using. Thank you very much for listening to this very special uh, part one, maybe two, of a two-part series, and we hope to see you in the last one or the next one. Bye, everybody! Bye! Bye!